Welcome everybody to Welcome to the Table. I'm Jeff. And I'm Khalil. And I'm Sean. And we're here to have a conversation about faith. So Khalil, what are we talking about today? And we are diving into uh, another spiritual discipline. We believe that the spiritual disciplines are important. They are a, a doorway to the life that God has for us as we put off the old and put on the new in him. And so we were going to explore the conversation around the spiritual discipline of confession. Now that right away, we might go, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh, so buckle in. Uh, I think this is a discipline that can be easy to avoid, one that can be very misunderstood. But I truly believe that the discipline of confession is the front door, the front door to, um, to grace and to life and to joy and to healing. And so I hope you'll buckle in and be a part of the conversation with us. Uh, Sean, you want to help us out a little bit with just understanding what what exactly is confession? What does that look like? Maybe help us with a definition or something. Yeah. I mean, and it's an interesting word because I think it brings to surface a lot of uh, feelings or maybe fears mm. even. Uh, but simply speaking, the word to confess, this is based on several different uh, readings of um, the the Greek and the Hebrew uh, basically is a twofold in English. It's twofold. It's a confession of faith or as the Lexham uh, Bible Dictionary would say, like a declaration or profession of belief. And then also the one we're very familiar with, which is like an acknowledgement or a verbal admission of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, you know, to a confession uh, to is to the confession of sin is to admit uh, wrongful, wrongful behavior and patterns in our lives. And so already we're all thrilled about that one, right? That's, this is like the discipline that like we all long for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. you can hear my sarcasm a little bit, but it can make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I love, I love out. the aspect of the definition that's, um, it was the middle there about an acknowledgement of belief, essentially. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important because right. the, what I get from that is when I confess wrongdoing or I confess a fault on my part, I'm also acknowledging a belief that I believe that it is wrong and I believe that there is a right. Right. And so in the nature of confession, there's actually a belief um, that right. we're acknowledging. And we, you know, and for this episode, we've done a couple different episodes where we've used uh, Donald Whitney's book, The Celebration of Discipline, or excuse me, The uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And this chapter here is from Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. It's kind of where we're basing this out. So, uh, so if you want to do some more deep dive on your own, you can check out that book as well. But yeah. Richard Foster says really quickly in the beginning of the chapter, because he's kind of getting on this idea of like, isn't isn't, isn't confession like a grace? It's something we receive from God. And he kind of helps explain why it's a discipline. And he says, it's a discipline because there are things that we must do. It is a consciously chosen course of action. And so as we're diving into this, just to help our listeners, I'm, I'm pointing that out because as we talk about confession, this is one of those disciplines where we, we really have to take a step. We have to do something. We have to move forward. And it is an uncomfortable one, especially if you're just getting started. But pretty soon, I believe everyone will find that this is a, a real doorway to life. So 
And I want to steal this quote before Jeff starts talking and quoting dead people because mm-hmm. he's really, really good at that. Uh, Augustine or Augustine, however you want to say it, said the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Oh, that's good. Confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. And so Augustine obviously writing in the 300s, this is something that has been uh, a marker for the Christian, for the disciple of Christ. This is something that is not new. And obviously when we're talking about ancient practices, we make that assumption that our listeners know that and recognize that, but it's something that's talked about from the very beginning and uh, follow that thread to today. So now some of you may be thinking, man, isn't confession strictly something that is found in Catholicism or a practice that's more in a Eastern Orthodox church. And while there's confession there, that's a realm of it. Confession is actually extremely biblical. And a lot of times we think as uh, those in the evangelical faith, that confession is purely an individualistic tendency between God and ourselves. We don't need a mediator. We don't need a priest. We don't need a father to receive our confession. However, I think Mm -hmm. this is where we most of the time uh, for for a vast majority of of history have actually operated within this framework of that it's an and and both that's not an either or or mm-hmm. uh, and so we need both and there's two biblical examples of this um, that are really important uh, there's is an individual um, component to this between man and God and that's found in uh first Timothy uh, two five where uh Jesus, or where Paul exhorts, exhorts Timothy, uh, saying there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so, yes, we do confess our sins. The foundation of confession is obviously the power of forgiveness, the power of healing, the power of reminding us of good thought comes from the cross. It comes from a God that loves a rebellious world, a bad world, a, a world that his wrath has been upon. And yet invites these rebels to turn and to repent and have the likeness and the righteousness of Jesus placed on them. So that's where confession holds power. However, there's a, a communal component of this, and that's found all in, in James 5.16 about confessing our sins one to another that we may be healed. Now, those are a couple of New Testament examples. Khalil, where is confession found in the Old Testament or, or some of uh, Judaism's earlier roots? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I love that. James passage, just to say that, because I think that is a key verse that helped me to step into confession is that it says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. So just wanted to, don't want to breeze past that too fast, that there is healing on the other side of confession. And we'll, we'll talk about this probably a lot more, but we need healing and salvation is something we experience in Christ. And then sanctification is something we experience for the rest of our life as we're being made more and more into God's image. But that means uh, that means that confession will be a part of the process of being sanctified. As things are put down, we are healed. We are able to experience grace and forgiveness. So uh, just wanted to touch on that verse. That's a good one to highlight. I think in the Old Testament, there are plenty of places. Uh, David comes to mind real quickly. Uh, King David mm-hmm. He was a great man of God. God even says he's a man after his own heart, that there's something about David's heart that uh, expresses the heart of God, which is so cool. Um, But David also was an imperfect man. 
And at a point in time, he finds himself in a place he shouldn't be at a time he shouldn't be at his kingdom while everyone else is off at war. The Bible makes it clear that he shouldn't have been there. And he uh, bumps into someone else's wife, Bathsheba. And if you know the story, uh, David commits several atrocities. He he uh, commits adultery with Bathsheba in his shame and trying to cover it up. He gets Uriah, her husband, killed in war, and it's it's just a, a it's a mess. And he's confronted by one of the prophets who calls him out on this situation. And fortunately, in that story, uh, David acknowledges that he's wrong. He acknowledges that he is at fault, and he's he's humbled in that point. But I think of um, uh, Psalm, it's 52, right? Psalm 50, 51. 51, excuse me. Uh, Psalm 51, where Dave, right next to it, right? Um, <laughs> but where David, David writes a Psalm, it's one of my favorites because it really captures the heart of confession. And he says within the scripture, he acknowledges one thing that he believes. He says, since, uh, basically since conception, I have been sinful. I have been a sinful person. He's acknowledging I am wrong. I am at fault. I do things wrong. I fall short of God's standard. And he's acknowledging that to God. And then he also says in there, um, even though he sinned against people, ultimately he says against you and you only have I sinned, God. And so he's, he's writing this psalm as a prayer of confession to God where he's acknowledging both that he is sinful, he is acknowledging that he has sinned against God, um, and he even in there, there's some, there's some desperation where he says, you know, God, don't take your Holy spirit from me. Like, oh, yeah. don't turn away from me. Don't cast me out. Um, re- you know, let me feel the the consequences of this, but restore me back to you. And I love that Psalm because whether we've committed sins like David, uh, or you've committed different mistakes, wrongdoings, or fallen short from God, it captures the heart of confession and the brokenness and the desperation that we should feel to acknowledge um, to acknowledge that sin separates us from God and that we need ultimately God's forgiveness and his grace. And so confession is also a great, it's a great tool for recognizing our need for grace. If, if I have nothing to confess, if I've done nothing wrong, I don't need God's grace. I'm good on my own. But when I acknowledge that I have fallen short, that I am sinful by nature and I have been all my life and that I need God's grace and forgiveness. Um, and I confess that to him. It also allows me, it's me drawing near to God and it's allowing me or anyone to then experience God's grace and forgiveness uh, as a result. So that's one of the first scriptures that comes to my mind. Yeah. And confession really sets the follower of Jesus apart in a world that <clears throat> is looking to anything and everything else to mend relationships Mm -hmm. for healing, for restoration. And those things are poor substitutes. When you look at the the Torah or we will look at Torah, that's another great example. This is extremely corporate. When you look at the rituals, the sacrifices, the laws, uh, laws were, we can't get into all of this and I'll, I'll fire it over to you again, Jeff, if you have something to say. So um, the idea of those acts, if you will, of ritual sacrifices, um, uh, grain offerings, and uh, they several different times throughout the Levitical law, especially the Levitical part, it says if 
a person sins unbeknownst to them. So mm. there's this grace and this kindness that God gives this, uh, the scapegoat. You, you can read all about the, that portion in late, later Leviticus, uh, a couple of different times. So the idea is to mend relationship or to make right an unholy, sinful people with a holy God that presence can, uh, that they can continue to operate in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It's not always easy to read, but those things throughout script, you know, Leviticus five, you look at throughout Leviticus uh, that there was confession made in the assembly. It's very public. (laughs) Uh, It's very uncomfortable, which is the very thing that brought uh, healing, though. And so we we see that that piece as well. Obviously, David's is both. It's both. It's public and it's it's personal and private. But yeah, well, it seems like it seems like it starts it starts vertical between the individual Mm -hmm. and God. Right. We have to first acknowledge that God is real that we are accountable and responsible to him, that we were made to worship him and to submit ourselves to what he says is good and beautiful and true and to not define that for ourselves. And so when we do define that for ourselves, we have to confess that we are in the wrong with God. But then, of course, sin sin at its nature affects our relationship with God, but also with one another and with all of creation. And there's a restoration that has to happen horizontally as well. Um, and so Richard Foster acknowledges something that I just wanted to acknowledge here too. He says, you know, confession is a difficult discipline for us when we're talking, especially about peer to peer or to someone that we have wronged because we all too often view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. And uh, he goes on to kind of say, we, we think everyone's, five steps ahead of us right there. They're more holy. They're doing better. And so we feel like, oh man, I am the one who gets things wrong and everyone else does things right. He says, we imagine that we are the only ones who have not stepped uh, onto the high road to heaven. Therefore, we hide ourselves from one another and live in veiled, uh, excuse me, live in veiled lies and hypocrisy. And as I was thinking about this, I would also add some things. I think we also too practice confession, we have to work through shame that we feel and experience, pride. We have to work through perceptions and masks that we wear in ways we want people to perceive us. Uh, Maybe we've presented ourselves as perfect and having no flaws, and now there's a flaw here. It gets hard to confess that because uh, we're wearing a mask. We haven't been truly real. Um, And I think there's also our sense of performance-based love where we think, you know, people will only accept me in this community if I am this way or I behave or I act this way. And I think that was one of the biggest obstacles for me as I was early in my faith is feeling like, oh man, what are people going to think of me if they find out that I've sinned in this way or whatever way? But um, I don't know if you have any thoughts, Jeff. I mean, we're, we're jumping all over yeah, the place. There's a few that that come to mind. One is that Dietrich Bonhoeffer in, in his book Life Together says that the that yeah the mask you wear in the presence of other people won't get you anywhere in the presence of God. Mm. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to walk around 
with, again, without the, the, the view of the gospel in mind, that we can still earn this, that we're farther ahead. And part of confession is that there would be a sorrow for our sin. There would be remorse. And yeah. so why is it hard for us to confess? Because, again, pride is, is entrenched in sin. Bonhoeffer goes on to, to say, in confession, there takes place a breakthrough to community. Sin wants to be alone with people. It takes them away from the community. The more lonely people become, the more destructive the power of sin over them. The more deeply they become entangled in it, the more unholy is their loneliness. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of what is left unsaid, sin poisons the whole being of a person. Hmm. Sin poisons the whole being of a person. And so I think it's so important for us to recognize this tactic of the enemy. Now, does it mean we bleed all over everyone? No, <laughs> but we, there should be a sorrow. There should be, man, I, I'm broken over this. And to, I, I think, name that right on the front end will make confession a lot easier because we recognize it for what it is. This is sin's uh, deception. Like anyone loved the Spider-Man movies? I just went and saw the second mm -hmm. uh, Into the, uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Fantastic. Amen. But the character Venom, like, hates sound like the symbiote hates sound and so it's always running from the church bells it's always you know like if we go remy spider-man spider-man 3 classic emo toby yeah. mcguire let's go i'm not the best not the best okay uh however sin's I'll a lot take. like that sin runs from the light sin runs from the sound mm -hmm. of confession and what i love that that foster says is that you know acts of mutual confession release a power that heals and he says that our humanity is no longer denied but transformed and so we don't deny the fact that hey man i still have some tendencies i've got some sanctification we don't bel belittle the fact that sin's there I, I remember in high school i was with a it, um with a group of guys in a high school small group and uh my youth pastor asked you know anyone ever struggle with porn and i was like yep you know and everyone looked at me like like what are you doing we don't say this stuff and i was like oh well i <laughs> and so I think we we have to be we have to be careful to cultivate communities of honesty, and not communities where you know. In that moment, I looked and I was like, "Oh, we pretend around here." Mm. Oh, right. You you like I've seen you at school. I I know what you're into, but but you're you're faking it here. Okay, like this yeah. is this space where you know, new to Christ. I'm like, yep. I you know I got a porn problem. Like, hello, like, and they're like, what? You know, and I'm like, oh oh, we don't do that here. Yeah, and right. I think that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants the uh, the the church to become a country club and not a hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. so we have to create spaces where we don't deny our humanity. We don't deny that. Hey, am I perfect like Jesus? No, I'm not. <laughs> but God's righteousness has been placed on me. I'm not earning that. But that's where the power that, that heals, like that's the power that forgives. And, and Jesus, there's a reason that in John 20, 23, he gave his disciples permission and, and power to forgive sins. Mm -hmm. If we look at that passage, right. You can, if, if you forgive the sins of any, of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are restrained. Mm -hmm. And so think about that. When we confess, there's a forgiveness that's extended and there's a restraining. 
There's a power and authority from Jesus to his disciples and, and by proxy us as his disciples today in 2023. And so what, what an incredible gift that is. So those are some thoughts that I have and um, yeah, but what does this look like today, guys? What, what, how can we practice this? If we're new to this, how can we be people that, uh, what does this look like? What does this look like? Do we put on ropes? Do we go into a confessional booth? Like, do I make? I want to swing incense. Well, just one time. I just want to swing, swing that incense, bro. Sean, like, you can, do you, you can swing How incense whenever you want. Over people. Jeff, before we get there, can I add some <laughs> thoughts though? Uh, Please. Before we get to the application, I just think Please, you're. Bishop. I think you're touching on something that's really important, <laughs> because we've said confession is hard, and I think what we're getting at is we're missing something about the gospel and we're missing the truth that we are not right with God because we've done anything right. In fact, every day we increase our evils against God. So we need his grace more and more. And I think Ephesians two through four, really chapters two through chapters four, really capture this. Maybe it's more in four, but this idea that we are all sinners. We've all fallen short. We are all imperfect. In fact, we are all evil. And the only reason that we can stand here today is because Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh, came to this world, lived a life that we did not and could not, so that he could then die in our place, uh, be our substitute, be able to earn us the forgiveness of our sins, and make us justified and righteous before a holy God. He did that. And we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Uh, we needed it. And God gave it to us by grace, and we receive it simply through faith. And when we acknowledge that, that that is my status, and you know that is Sean's status, and that is Jeff Gowling's status, and everyone else in the church, then we have no room for performance or hierarchies or status. But what Paul says is we recognize that we are all sinners saved by grace. It levels the playing field. And it makes room for us to then acknowledge our own sins, but also to receive others for their sins. And too often we right. can either um, not feel like we are going to be received for our sinfulness, or we see other people do things wrong. And we go, what jerks, what idiots, how could they, how could they ever, don't they know? And we get on our righteous high horse and judgmental of others rather than realizing, you know what, they have sinned, but so have I. And yet mm -hmm. I received the infinite grace of God. So therefore may I extend the infinite grace of God to others. And you touched on the, the, the light and the dark and the not wanting to bring things into the light. And I just thought of John 3, 16 through 21, which I won't read the whole thing, but I think the latter part is so good. It says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. That's Jesus. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For anyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest their works should be exposed. Um, but verse 21, whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their works have been carried out in God. And I think that is, you touched on it, Jeff, but that's the nature of the gospel that our works are evil and we don't want to come into the light because we don't want it to be exposed. But when it is exposed, that is where light shines on the darkness, heals it, transforms it. Christ who absorbed all the sin of the world absorbs that and we are able to be made new. And I just think that is so important because 
unless we capture that, we will be tempted to pretend at church. No doubt. And we will not be able to receive others because we have to keep up our facade. And I'm still growing in this, but I think over the last couple of years, I have really put on a new level of authenticity where I'm just like, why am I pretending? I may be a pastor, but why, what is, why does pastor mean superhuman or why does pastor mean I can't sin? as a pastor? In fact, shouldn't I lead the way in vulnerability? Shouldn't I show others that because I've received the grace of God, I can be more vulnerable. I can be more honest. I can lay these things bare because Christ is healing them and I, my value doesn't come from them. Can't I then open the door for others to experience that, hey, we can be real here. We don't pretend. We're honest. We're vulnerable because we want to experience healing. So bring it out into the light. Let's experience healing together because we're all sinners saved by grace and we need this. Um, I just get a little fired up about that idea because yeah. I think that's at the heart of the, the church. Bonhoeffer says that, you know, he that whole chapter that he writes in life together on, on confession and the Lord's table is so powerful, but he talks about that exact thing, Khalil, that confession is also a breakthrough to the cross, to new life and to assurance. And so, mm. you know, like he, he talks about that the root of all sin is pride and that, you know, we have this desire to be by myself. I, I have the right to be by myself, the right to hold on to my anger, my hatred, the right to my desires uh, my life and my death and the spirit of flesh of, of human beings are inflamed by pride for it is precisely in their wickedness that human beings want to be like God. So confession in the presence of another believer is the most powerful, profound kind of humiliation. It hurts. It makes one feel small. It deals a terrible blow to one's pride to stand before another Christian as a sinner is almost the unbearable disgrace. By confessing actual sins, the old self dies a painful, humiliating death before the eyes of another Christian to where it can be raised up to a, to a new standard, to a new life, to a new identity in Christ. Um, so good. I think we, we forget so easily that we've been delivered from this body of death, but we keep circling back to it to pick up that same burden, that same bondage, that same pride, that same sin. Uh, that, that Paul talked about in Romans 7 before transitioning to, to Romans 8 of, you know, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Because I have this desire to do what's good. I, I confess what's right, but why do I keep circling back? Why do, you know, uh, and, and we do the same thing. We do the same thing, but we have to, uh, we have to put that, we have to put that dog to, to bed. We have to put that dog down, you know, the, yeah. the, the dog of sin must die. And, and it's a, it's a long battle. It's a lifelong battle, but it's one we don't have to fight in isolation. We can fight in community. Um, mm -hmm. And I just love that picture of the cross. It's breaking through the cross. It's breaking through to what Christ died to sanctify, um, which is me. He wanted me in, in the reality of me. Come to him as an unholy sinner, as someone that's flawed and marred. No, nothing more and nothing less. Come to God right there, right then. That, that he can heal because he wants us. I love Proverbs 23, 26, I think it is. Uh, that's like the the heart of all parenting, but it's also the heart of our, our heavenly father that the father in Proverbs says, son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. And, and look at my, uh, look look at, at what I'm doing. Look at uh, my patterns, my, my habits, but give me your heart. And that's God's heart is that we would give him all of us. 
So confession is a key part of this. It's good. Yeah. So Sean, help, yeah. help me. <laughs> How do we get started? What's up? What's up? Well, first I think step? I'll, I'll give some, some, some things that I've put into practice with this discipline and just borrowing the metaphor of our origin stories. There's a lot of nakedness in Genesis one and two, and Hello. it's for a reason. And, uh, the uh, the response is always to hide, and so it's it's exposing, which which is what we talked about, exposing those sins to come out of hiding. Mm. <clears throat> and so, as uncomfortable it is as this is, and this isn't original with me, I ask my kids. Well, my daughter really doesn't quite get it yet, but I ask my boys and I ask my wife once a week. Has have I done anything to hurt you this week? And so I think. It's uncomfortable, mm. but it's a confession uh, lead-in question, if you will, to confession. And so um, I think there's a lot of listening, but the I'm going to tether this to liturgy and rhythm. I would recommend that if you need to calendar it at first, maybe it's something you grow into where you don't even have to look at your calendar for it, but once a week where you are examining, um, you know, Foster quotes uh, this, this uh, saint, um, his name, let me get his name here. It's St. Alphonsus Liguri, which is fun. But I'm so idea thankful of, you, you know, took that on. I was thinking about it, but I was like, <laughs> I'm going to leave that to someone else. We got to let Sean have that. <laughs> well, I have, I've actually never heard of this guy, but I'm not surprised Foster has. But uh, this idea of examining, uh, giving an opportunity once a week to examine. If you can do it once a day, but um, Psalm 139 is much of it as elevates human life and human dignity. It's a, it's a confession of David that he doesn't even know himself that we can't trust our hearts. I can't trust myself. And then he culminates the Psalm in 23, 24 with, see if there's anything grievous in me, eradicated from me. This is a pointing back to Levitical law, again, to Torah and points, always points toward to Jesus that I don't even know some of the things that, that I've done. Mm-hmm. And so would you be in your grace, God, reveal those things so I can go to the person if I need to ask forgiveness or if I need to, to go to somebody and confess something that I didn't realize, whatever it might be. So an examination uh, once a week in your calendar is, is worth it. Write, write it down. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, that's, that's another thing too. Uh, Douglas Steer writes like where a soul comes under the gaze of God and where in his silent and loving presence, this soul is pierced to the quick and becomes conscious of the things that must be forgiven and put right before it can continue to love the one whose care has been so constant. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if we doing this, I think one of the things that I will add to this of the examination of conscious of, of our conscience is journal journal. What is God revealing? Write those things down and then go to somebody, Hey, this week in my time with the Lord, this is what God's revealing. Can you pray for me? Will you pray with me in these things? This is an area in my heart where God's giving attention and it would be foolish not to, to have me not respond in obedience to this. Mm-hmm. Um, right. A lot of times God will reveal things 
to be aware of or things, patterns in our lives. And um, as a gift of grace, right? He corrects those that he loves that Hebrew says, like we're legitimate sons and daughters of God. So he's not just saying, oh, you messed up again. No, he desired for you to produce good fruit. He desired for me to produce good fruit. And so uh, this is a community garden. It's not a solo project. You know, it's not an urban garden in a pot on my front porch. No, it's, it's a community garden where Right. Um, we're doing this together and, and God's in the part of this. That's why the local church is so important. So if you're not a part of a local church, if you're doing uh, faith in isolation, it's really hard yeah. to fight the yeah. battles of sin. If you, all you have around you is people that think like you, that affirm everything you affirm and never say, Hey, in grace, you're wrong. It's a dicey mm-hmm. place to be. So that's, I think an yeah. important part that this is, first individual where we start at this point, but it always transitions to go uh, communal. And the yeah. second aspect uh, that St. Afonsis, yep, I'm not even <laughs> going to go there again, is sorrow. Um, that that Sorrow, sorrow. So Khalil, have you ever been sorrowful over sin? Have you ever made a mistake and just been like, God, I'm so sorry for that. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, just been broken over sin. Hmm. Yes, I have. And um, I think, you know, what I do with that, though, is the real test. So it's, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. I've said things I wish I didn't say. Um, and to people and even walking away. Maybe it's the moment after I said it, or it's walking away from the conversation going like, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I shouldn't have said that, or that wasn't necessary. That wasn't helpful. That was just mean. And what I've noticed is the Bible tells us right there, that is the thing to go confess to them. Uh, It's Matthew five, right? That says, if you're coming before God and you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, go and be made right with them before you keep on trying to worship. Your gift will be there when you get back. But we cannot claim to be right with God and not be right with one another. And so maybe in the moment of your worshiping and you're singing at church, you remember that conversation, that thing comes up. I believe the Holy Spirit is prompting you with that. And if you try to push it down and continue to worship or just keep going about your day, uh, I'm going to say this boldly. You are ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you are actually preventing yourself from growing in godliness and you're maintaining a broken relationship that's unnecessary is is not good. So when I've realized that I've done something wrong, and yes, I've done this many times, to not want to ask for forgiveness is my pride. Either I think they don't deserve it, or it was warranted, or I just don't want to have to, maybe there's some tension in the relationship. And I feel like if I come and uh, say, I'm sorry, or ask for forgiveness, I'm letting them get one up on the relationship. And so then it's a status thing. Again, so Huge barrier could be pride, um, but I've done this before, literally at church. I said something to someone and they said something a little snarky back and I just, I said something I shouldn't have said. And as soon as I walked away, I was like, it was, you shouldn't have said that. And I'm like, yep. And God was like, you need to ask for forgiveness. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> and uh, church was just about to get started. So I caught them right after church was done. And I said, hey, earlier, that was not okay on my part. And I'm, I just want to say, I'm sorry that that wasn't right and i didn't do anything to say 
but here's why I did it. Or you said this and that just triggered me to, nope, it wasn't about them. It was about me and my heart and what I did. And it was extremely humbling, but it was right. And at the same time, it humbled me, but it helped that relationship. It showed, hey, I'm, when I know I'm wrong, I'm going to lead the way in this too. So uh, plenty of times like that for me. Just was going to say this and I'll turn it back over. Episode 26 that we did is another good one to listen to. It's called Forming a Confessional Community. And we did a, a deep dive into this idea of even the practicals of what it looks like to create a space and to lead the way in this. But yes, Jeff. Yes, <laughs> I've done. I've been in that spot many times. Well, and and it's I, I like to say lean into the discomfort. If, if this isn't natural for us in particular, although we are a people that like justice, uh, we are quick to point out the sins of one another and to ignore the ones in our own heart. Yeah. And so, like any ancient practice, some of these practices more than others, and I would say confession is one of them. You have to learn it and grow in doing it naturally, if you will. Um, we can't just continue to ignore the the confession, the confession piece of forgiveness or this discipline of confession, um, because it's actually hurting you. Actually, hurt yourself. And so, when I would say just leaning into the discomfort and mm -hmm. continuing to whenever. Do it right away whenever there's something. So pursuing confession would be another way to say it is that you want to be on the offense of that doesn't mean you're going to get it right every time. Right. But um, there was actually something that uh, I was wronged. Uh, there's several times, but one in one particular that comes to mind. And I actually pursued this person and recognized the thing that I should not have done. And did not expect them to reciprocate or anything. Now they did because they're a godly individual, and um, and they love and respect me and love and respect Jesus. So it ended up, like you said, Khalil, becoming a really cool conversation. Um, but I, my intention was to confess. I confessed to the Lord, and then I I, I just kept I made phone calls and texts and, and arranged a, a conversation because I knew that I needed to make something right on my part yeah. and I needed to confess my part. And so being intentional, purposeful and pursuing confession. That's good. It's important. Yeah. I think just as a practical, as we're kind of landing the plane, I would, my thoughts when we turn this over to application is um, if you realize you have wronged someone, ask for forgiveness, eat the humble pie, <laughs> put the pride down right. and just ask for forgiveness no caveats, no expectation of them doing anything back. Do it because it is right for you to do and leave the rest up to God. Regardless of the results, you did what honored Jesus and that is right. And then also if someone ever comes to you to seek forgiveness or comes to you to confess, hey, I've been, I've been dabbling in something I shouldn't or, you know, I'm realizing there's been something wrong in my life to be the person that like Jesus absorbs sin. We don't need to magnify it. They realize it. That's why they're confessing it. We don't need to kind of put uh, fuel on the fire, but just absorb that for them. Be a person of grace. Be a person who, like Jesus on the cross, absorbed the sins of the world. Be the hands and feet of Jesus for that person who comes and confess and just receive them. Um, I think that's a really important piece for us too. And so we can both be 
We can practice this by confessing and we can practice this by being someone who people want to confess to because they experience healing through you from God. Any last thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I think we have to be careful as well when others are confessing to us not to make this about a therapeutic reaction. Right. Confession brings about a godly sorrow over sin. And I think we don't like sorrow in our culture. We want everyone to feel good and be good. When oftentimes the process first will be their sorrow first and then their healing. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how that's how wounds work. The break hurts and there's a process for healing. Um, and it's going to happen and Christ already done the work, but we have to be careful not to just uh, gloss over sin, not to be like, oh, it's okay. That's fine. I've done that. No, speak from the gospel. Mm-hmm. Christ has sacrificed and made the unrighteous righteous, the, 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 the dead living. And there's nothing on the face of the earth that cannot be forgiven. So let's praise God that there's grace and that there's forgiveness in Christ yeah. and in the cross. Take it to the cross. Don't take it to making someone feel good. Um, mm-hmm. All right. The result of forgiveness is feeling good. Oh my goodness. A lift of consciousness, a healing, like a restoration. Hallelujah. This is awesome. But if we skip that process and make it about feelings first, we're glossing over the heart of the th- the, the, the gospel here. And then, um, yeah, I, I, I would just say, find somebody. If you don't have an account accountability in your life, and I'm not just, I know we, we toss around accountability, mostly in a sexual context, sexual sin, like pornography, especially with guys, uh, but yeah. have accountability in your life for your anger, for your pride, for how you, you have conversations with people, how you joke, have accountability. Hey, how's this week going? Uh, and uh, not, not in a moral legalism. I don't, I, I think of confession becomes, about legalists that's the devil's idea that's mm. not that's not christ's idea the the bedrock and foundation of confession is forgiveness of sins but look at first corinthians 13 once a week look at what love is and look at your life man have i is there any area this week where i've failed to be patient i failed to be kind i've been selfish i put my needs above others i've had an unholy ambition that's not from the lord I bulldozed over people. I've cut corners. Those are the things. And then go to someone and say, hey, I just need prayer. I, I'm God's revealed to me. The Holy Spirit's spoken to me that these are areas that um, this week I, I haven't honored him in. Can you pray with me mm-hmm. about that? So those are just some practical steps that are easy, non-invasive, but let's do some non-invasive surgery on our lives. Let's do some non-invasive uh, confession in our lives before we have to have incredible, like before we have those drastic falls like David did with Bathsheba. It's good. You know, mm-hmm. if we have the small non-invasive confession of our lives to keep us within, again, we're confessing the truth of the gospel to remind us of that and, and to help us to avoid uh, a determination to avoid sin. We're going to, we're going to miss those drastic moments where we drastically fall, I believe. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, so those are some thoughts. It's good. This has been a really good conversation on confession. Yep. I mean, we have, I think this is our second episode here. This one is on the spiritual discipline. Uh, episode 26 is on forming confessional community. And uh, that is something that the three of us have experienced together. We have that where we just, we, 
we are in one another's corner, which is such a blessing. And I continue mm-hmm. to grow through it. Uh, we'll keep this conversation going on Patreon, though. We'll we'll keep diving into some practicals and some ideas and tips and and explore this a little bit more. So uh, for those of you listening, thank you for listening. We'd love for you to rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to. And then you can always get more on these conversations by joining our Patreon. Um, that's an opportunity and a place where the conversation just keeps going. The table, we just keep talking. We keep sharpening one another. And you can do the same with us. So thanks for being a part of the conversation. Forward this episode to someone that you want to grow in confession with. And let it be a conversation starter for you. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. And until the next episode, just keep living the faith.